Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. day saints today is saturday may the 14th of the year 2022 i am your host and teacher dr Kamala d i hope this day finds you and your family well because god is good and not only is he good he is good all of the time now today is a special day we are going to embark on a maybe possibly four-month series. It depends on how many episodes I choose to play. Now, you guys are familiar with the late, great Apostle Frederick K.C. Price Sr. However, some of you may not know how he got on the map, on the worldwide stage. Back in, I can't remember the year right off, maybe after the episode, or after this episode, I'll be able to share it. But it was maybe 25 years ago. He taught a series on race, religion, and racism. And boy, when I tell you, he ruffled some feathers. So I know he's going to ruffle some feathers when I start this series on Learning Bible Truth Ministries. He had networks wanting to cut him off the air because he was teaching, he was teaching truth. And he was calling out Ministers of the so-called gospel, so-called ministers who were trying to tie racism to the Bible saying that it was God's will. That is a lie. It's not in the Bible. What these false teachers were banking on back then and today as well is that you don't know the Bible and they know you're not going to read it because you read one scripture, you misunderstand it instead of reading the entire book. Now, and I'm not talking about the entire book of the Bible. I'm talking about the entire book of whatever um, uh, prophet you choose to read about or in the New Testament, uh, you you just pull out a scripture. No, you need to read the ent entire chapter. Let me say that. But I'm here to tell you, Dr. Price doesn't cut any corners. He doesn't bite his tongue. He's not walking on eggshells and he's not afraid of anybody. When he started this epic series, it lasted about 18 months. Now, I'm not sure I want to play the entire race, religion, and racism. But what I do know is that I chose to play this because race and religion and racism is rearing its ugly head again. And it has made its way to the top of our government in Congress and definitely in the Senate. And people need to know that this is wrong. They really truly need to know that this is wrong. Racism is rearing its ugly head again and people need to know the truth. It's time out for turning a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to racism on your job, racism in your church, and racism in government. Those who rule over men should be just ruling in the fear of God. And it's time for God's ministers and leaders to speak up again against it. So who better can teach you about race, religion, and racism in the church? Mm, nobody other than the late great apostle, Dr. Frederick Casey Price Sr. So I want you to sit back and listen to episode one that I'm playing. And I will share two episodes a week on Saturday and Sunday so that we can kind of get through this a little quicker. Now, while I am on my hiatus, I will be feeding my spirit the word of God, doing a lot of praying and, and uh, doing a lot of reading. And because you, you guys know I teach and I need to get some rest. Okay, so sit back 
and relax and listen to this truth. Now, I'm teaching on the subject of and a series entitled Race, Religion, and Racism. I want to pick up where I left off last time. We are in the segment of the series called Racism. And I want to wrap it up today, and then I'm going to move into our final session or final part of the series, which is religion. I'm quoting from a speech given by the President of the United States, Mr. Bill Clinton. In this segment of Race and Racism, I have been attempting to show the reality of racism as it exists today in the church. And obviously you can't talk about the church without talking about society in general because it's pervasive in both places. And um, if you followed me all the way through up till now, it's like reading a book. Each session that we do is like a chapter in a book. Well, the writer has to write chapter one, as it were, at least put it in the book as chapter one, before he can put chapter three in the book. You know what I'm saying? And so it's progressive. And so this is what we've been involved in. So I have to build and build and build and build and build. So it's very important that you understand the connection. So I've got to go back just a little. So I want to read quote from a speech given by President, the President of the United States, Mr. Bill Clinton, entitled One America in the 21st Century at the University of California at San Diego commencement. University of California at San Diego, San Diego, California, June 14, 1997. I quote, But I believe the greatest challenge we face is also our greatest opportunity. Of all the questions of discrimination and prejudice that still exist in our society, the most perplexing one is the oldest and in some ways today the newest. The problem of race, though minorities have more opportunities than ever today, we still see evidence of bigotry from the desecration of houses of worship, whether they be churches, synagogues, or mosques. To demeaning talk in corporate suites, there is still much work to be done by you, members of the class of 1997. But those who say we cannot transform the problem of prejudice into the promise of unity forget how far we have come. And I cannot believe they have ever seen a crowd like you. I grew up in the high drama of the Cold War, in the patriotic South. Black and white Southerners alike wore our nation's uniform in defense of freedom against communism. They fought and died together from Korea to Vietnam. But back home, I went to segregated schools, swam in segregated pools, sat in all white sections at the movies, and traveled through small towns in my state that still mark the restrooms and water fountains white and colored. By the grace of God, I had a grandfather with just a grade school education but the heart of a true American who taught me that it was wrong. Now, I want to pause right there because this is one of the things and one of the purposes that I have been dealing with in this presentation on racism. The problem is not a genetic problem. In other words, racism, racial and color prejudice is not transmitted in the genes. It is a learned response. It is something that you can be taught and in our country, it's primarily a problem of those who came before us teaching their children. Because if you stop and think about it, if we just use a historical landmark, for instance, like the end of the Civil War, 1865, it has been a lot of years since the end of the Civil War. And when the so-called slaves were set free and were emancipated, and supposedly racism was nipped in the bud and it was supposed to be over, then how could it be up here where we live? It has to have a carrier. It has to have a host to transmit the foul thing. 
and it's not genetically transmitted because if it was in the genes, then everybody in the whole world would be racist. And they're not. So then it had to be taught. And I want you to get what the president said. He was taught on the other side of it. He was taught a positive. But notice where it came from. It came from the teaching that he received. I want you to get that because it's so important. And there are a lot of people, I've said it before, but a lot of people, they, they balk at it, they get mad with me, and they want to become defensive. And obviously, I've said it a thousand times, and I'll continue to say it, we're not talking about everybody. We know better than that, but we know that there are too many, and they're the ones that keep the thing going and keep the pot boiling. So catch up on this now. Listen to this again. By the grace of God, I had a grandfather with just a grade school education, but the heart of a true American who taught me that it was wrong. And by the grace of God, there were brave African-Americans like Congressman John Lewis who risked their lives time and time again to make it right. And there were white Americans like Congressman Bob Filner, F-I-L-N-E-R, a freedom rider on the bus with John Lewis in the long noble struggle for civil rights who knew that it was a struggle to free white people too. Let me say that I know that for many white Americans, this conversation may seem to exclude them or threaten them. That must not be so. I believe white Americans have just as much to gain as anybody else from being a part of the endeavor, much to gain from an America where we finally take responsibility for all our children so that they at last can be judged as Martin Luther King hoped, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. End of quote. Now, you black folk and you white folk and you red, brown, and yellow folk that want to get up on your high horse and act like there is no such thing as racism and racial prejudice in this nation and in the church, I hope you just listen to what I read. This is your chief executive officer. All other things aside, he be still the head of the country. This be the boss man. And he's telling you that we got a problem with racism and racial prejudice. Thank you, Mr. President. Now, listen, listen. Before, before you are tempted to push all this aside by saying that African Americans have what they have and are what they are and are where they are because of their own innate shortcomings, I want you to consider some very important observations made by Dr. Claude Anderson in his book, Black Labor, White Wealth, copyright August 1994 by Claude Anderson, Doctor of Education, Duncan and Duncan Incorporated Publishers, page 97. I quote, It is common to hear Japanese, Chinese, and Germans being cited as model hard workers. Before blacks became obsolete as common labor in the 1960s, they were the models for doing the hardest, dirtiest, and most dangerous work. Ironically, Conservatives in government are suggesting that emulating these recent immigrants and their hard work is the cure for blacks' protracted poverty and high unemployment. Now you listen to this carefully and follow this carefully. Recommending more hard work for a race of ex-slaves is similar to curing an alcoholic by suggesting that the drunk do more drinking. See, they call us shiftless and lazy and we don't want to work. Having never been compensated for centuries of past labor is the bigger part of the problem. Not whether black people are willing to work hard. If blacks were unwilling to work, it would be understandable after 400 years of no pay to low pay See, you, 
now, see, I, you, you have to know me now. I'm, you know, in the, this, to me, this is not personal. I'm dealing with principles, dealing with truth, and not personal, directed against anybody or any ethnic group. I'm trying, as I believe God is leading me, to bring this thing out in the open so we can bring, bring closure to it, so we can deal with it. If we, if we continue to sweep it under the carpet, then we'll never get rid of it. See? But you white folk and, and, and you modern black folk, listen, listen, you need to realize that your ancestors, your slave, great, 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 great grandmas and grandpas. Now think about this. They worked as slaves for 246 years without getting a paycheck. Now, how do you expect people that have worked for 246 years while your mothers and fathers and great-grandparents, you white folks, were accumulating wealth? You got a 246-year head start and then wonder why we don't compete. You must be crazy. It would be understandable after 400 years of no pay to low pay. See, for the first 246 years from 1619 when the first slaves were introduced to continental United States to the end of the Civil War, that was no pay. And then from 1865 up to the late 1960s, it was low pay. Lowest pay on the totem pole. And then you expect us to compete and then get on your high horses and get upset when we talk about we can't make it. Turn the tables around and see where you would be. God, be fair at least. If you're not going to be honest, at least be fair. Which ethnic immigrants in America have worked harder than black slaves? Certainly the Japanese, Chinese, and the Germans did not work harder in America than black slaves. If the, listen carefully, if the Japanese, Chinese, and the Germans were the hardest workers, would it not have made more sense for colonial white society to have enslaved the Japanese, Chinese, and Germans rather than blacks who were allegedly lazy and unwilling to work? Why would supposedly bright businessmen spend 250 years traveling all the way around the world to kidnap 35 to 50 million innocent but lazy blacks, then knowingly bring them to America to do work that other ethnic groups could do better? End of quote. Are you, are you seeing anything? Are you, are you getting this? Again, don't take this personal. I didn't call your name. And I don't mean it personally. You ought to have enough sense right now, by now, to know that if I'm bold enough to say this, I call your name. So if I haven't called your name, then it's not personal. But I want you to hear this. You need to hear it. Go, girl. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> ah! I right, listen to this. Americans need to think about that before they throw too many rocks at supposedly lazy blacks. It's easy for people to criticize others when they don't know the whole story. People view blacks when they want to criticize them for being at the bottom of the economic totem pole as being unwilling to pull their own weight. They seem to think that we blacks are equal and therefore ought to achieve like everybody else. That would be true if we all started out on the same equal footing. But friends, that is not the case. Listen up. In a radio interview, Dr. Claude Anderson was asked a similar question about blacks in America. His answer 
was enlightening to say the least. This was the question, and I quote, why can't black Americans do like Asians? Asians have done. Or European Americans who have come to this country during the height of immigration and achieved the way that they have. White folks, listen to this. Because you're, you're primarily the ones that criticize blacks for being lazy and shiftless and unwilling to work. Not all of you, we know that, so don't, again, don't get personal. Here was Dr. Anderson's answer. Number one, blacks have never been treated the way Asians and Hispanics have been treated coming into this country. They have never been treated as an ethnic group. Secondly, all those other groups came into this country without the legacies and the baggage, the psychological baggage of having been enslaved and having been Jim Crow. Thirdly, they came into this country voluntarily versus having been dragged and bound, sold into this country. Fourthly, they came in with their culture intact and they were able to use their culture to create businesses and create a broad sense of community and community unity. Fifthly, they kept their religion. They had their religion to again be a center of their lives for their values and to instill a sense of values for their families. And sixth, they could go back to their country of origin and use business opportunities to bring in artifacts to set up warehouses, wholesalers, and dealerships to sell artifacts from their culture. End of quote. Think about it. I am sure that many blacks as well as whites have never thought about it that way. Never looked at it that way. What a disadvantage. And they want us to compete on an equal footing. That's like running a 100-yard dash or a 100-meter dash. And then you start out at the 90-meter mark. And us black folks start out at point zero. And then you cross the finish line and stand up there and say, now how come y'all didn't do better in the race? No, I, I want to dramatize it because, see, there is a root to every plant. And this foul plant of racism has roots. We've got to find those roots so that we can dig them up and destroy them or else the cotton-picking plant will grow again. You can go and cut a tree down, cut grass down, cut bushes down. If you don't deal with the root, that baby's coming back. Given enough time, it will return. Without an invitation. So think about it. <clears throat> How unfair. The 18th century British statesman and orator Edmund Burke has been credited with saying, I don't know if he did or not, he's been credited with saying this, I quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You get that? Listen to it. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 29 and verse 2, it says, you don't have to look this one up, but write it down. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 2, it says, quote, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. End of quote. Our people are groaning, black and white alike. What are we going to do about it, America? What are we going to do about it? Continue with business as usual? Or are we going to rip up the roots? 
get this turkey out of the ground and plant a brand new vineyard. Now, I want to, I want to read a couple of letters because this is the end of the racism section. And I want to, I mean, I want to be as clearly understood as, as possible. I, I mean, it's, it's just amazing to me. But you know what? I, I guess that's why the Lord gave me the assignment, because he knew I could, I could take it. Not that that's any credit to me. Don't misunderstand me. But I had the very same kind of opposition when I first started 27 years ago teaching on faith. Folk criticized me. Black ministers all over this city used me as their pulpit messages. Talked me down, even some wrote books against me for teaching faith. Accused me of teaching false doctrine, all kind of stuff. Actually, the only people that would receive me were white folks. In mass, obviously we had blacks that did, but the ministers, eh. And so now I'm getting it already. I'm, I'm hearing reports of that there are black ministers that are telling their congregation, don't watch the television program now. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know all the details or exactly how true it is, but that's, they already started. They already started. We even have one of our, uh, one of a, a very prominent television station challenged me just recently. And... Uh, they actually at first indicated they weren't going to play the program. Uh, these are white folks. Because they own, basically own all the television stations. And uh, they, they were offended at the N word. You know, I'm so sick of hearing about it. Why don't you call us what you call us when you're sitting down drinking your coffee? You jive time turkeys! Phony baloney! can show you so many books, publications, movies, and everything where y'all call us that all the time, and all of a sudden now, the N-word, hang the N-word, call us niggas, because that's exactly what you call us when you are by yourself. Now get real. Tired of all this lying and messing around. That's what's wrong with this country. Be real. You got two faces. A public and a private, you ought to be the same everywhere. <laughs> but anyway, would you believe, they wanted, they didn't want me, you know what they had the audacity to ask me? Wanted me to know if we could send them another program. And they, they wanted to act it. So we're going to be watching next week because see, there's, a, there's a, a certain legal things. I hope they do act the fool. I'll take them to the Supreme Court of the universe. And the United States. I'm serious. This is a legal thing. You can't, you can't, you can't preempt a program without giving 72-hour notice. So apparently they didn't have oper the, the big wigs. Apparently, see everything I'm saying. Apparently, I'm just going by all. All we can do is to do certain things. And apparently they didn't have enough time. So we're going to be watching the program this week and see if they if they play it. We had some other pro uh, stations in the country. They wouldn't play the program. They wouldn't play it. And the Thing that was so sick about it, they were Christian stations. Yeah, what? Said that we're not going to play it. So my director, who's just as radical as I am, Said, said, fine, just cancel the program. They said, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't do that. Uh, give us a day to think about it. Yeah, because they know that black dollar spin just like that white dollar spin. It's all about money. And get down to the nitty-nitty gritty, it's about that money. And see, we have, see, we... Ever Increasing Faith Television is a legend. 
in the television industry for paying our bills. For 20 years, we have paid our bills, never, ever missed one, never been late, never gave a bounce check, and they know they got guaranteed revenue from us, see? And so they reconsidered. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to play it. And this other one, I just, you know, I believe God, see, God is going to expose this thing. But he got to have a channel. He has to have a channel, see? And, it's, and, and if somebody's not willing, he's, his hands are tied because he works through human instrumentality. See? And he's going to bring this thing out in the open one way or the other. It'll either be through somebody like me who's willing to do it or through legal action. Because if you mess with me, I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to have a, hey, hey, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. In fact, hey, hey, listen, listen. Honey, I can see Ted Koppel now. Oh, are you kidding? You think the Jim Baker thing was something? In fact, I hope, in fact, we need to pray that they don't show the program. I hope they're not that big a fool. Because see, what they'll do, see, already they're showing, they're showing where they are. If you're not racist, what do you care? It's a paid-for, it's a paid-for program. We, I, we're paying for it. So listen, all y'all clapping and shouting, and all y'all that's, that's going to see this program, y'all is clapping and shouting and jumping up and raising your hand. I hope you putting a pen to the paper and sending me some help financially, because you know some of them folk, they don't like this, and they're not going to support the program. I need you folks that are doing all this clapping to bump up what you're giving, if you really that hot behind this. If you really believe this is right, put your money where your mouth is. All right, now I wanna, I wanna close out this section on, on uh, racism with a couple of letters because there's some things that are, that are occurring that, that uh, I want you to, I wanna be sure you understand where I'm coming from. Listen to this. Uh, Brother Frederick, I've watched your program for the last two weeks, the 4th and 11th, on racism. Before I accepted my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into my life, I was racist. I tried to justify it by lying, saying to myself, if a man of dark skin didn't act ignorant, he was not a in, and then some dashes. If he acted ignorant, he was an in with dashes. That was the way I thought of everyone, including my own race. Real stupid of me. Racist people have not accepted our Lord and Savior into their heart like they say they may have. Brother Frederick, keep doing what you are doing. Thank you for the prayer and spiritual strengthening on the 11th. I'll see you on the 18th. And this is from Stephen Cronk, C-R-O-N-K, from Rosemead, California. I have another letter. I'm going to tie all this together in just a moment. I have another letter. The address of this letter is the World Wide Web. All right, now I want to I close out this section on, on uh, racism with a couple of letters because there's some things that are, that are occurring that, that uh, I want you to, I want to be sure you understand where I'm coming from. Listen to this. Uh, Brother Frederick, I've watched your program for the last two weeks, the 4th and 11th, on racism. Before I accepted my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into my life, I was racist. I tried to justify it by lying saying to myself, if a man of dark skin didn't act ignorant, he was not a in, and then some dashes. If he acted ignorant, he was an in with dashes. 
That was the way I thought of everyone, including my own race. Real stupid of me. Racist people have not accepted our Lord and Savior into their heart like they say they may have. Brother Frederick, keep doing what you are doing. Thank you for the prayer and spiritual strengthening on the 11th. I'll see you on the 18th. And this is from Stephen Cronk, C-R-O-N-K, from Rosemead, California. I have another letter. I'm going to tie all this together in just a moment. I have another letter. The address of this letter is the World Wide Web, the Internet. Hey, Freddie. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Freddie. Excellent message with three exclamation marks after. I'm a white guy that only catches your show occasionally. The things you said this morning about racism and the acid test is right on. Now, I don't know about biblical doctrine as it relates to this issue. I'm not much on Christianity. But it's good that someone with your influence is saying the hard stuff. I could care less what color guy the guy is that my blue-eyed, beautiful in parenthesis and four exclamation point, daughter marries. As long as they love each other and he treats her like gold. Color issues are idiotic. It will be a real relief for everyone if and when humanity can ever get over this I'm better than you mentality. By the way, you have a great mixture of heavy and lighthearted expression. Your friend, Doug H. from the Internet. Now, dear Pastor Price, I'm writing to com comment on your present series of race, religion, and racism. I believe this is a series long overdue. I'm also proud to say that my pastor is handling it. My wife and I have been members since 1994, as a couple, myself, since 1989. We are both white and do not take offense to the message. However, I felt embarrassed due to my lack of not standing my ground on my views about racism around other white people. You remember me talking about that? See? So this is wonderful. If it didn't help anybody else, it would help these people. Okay, watch this now. I'll get, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I'm speaking of the guilt by association that you spoke of, and I felt this before you ever even mentioned it or even mentioned it. Well, I had an opportunity to change that, when I heard my parents making a comment about black people. See, now I'm going to pause there. This is a part of why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. It's a part of the reason why God brought it out of me this way. See, that's where the problem, see, that, see that's how it's got to stop. And you white folks know it. That you, you have relatives and friends and loved ones that talk us down and talk about black folk like they got tail. And you just smile and cheese it up and you don't say anything about it. You wouldn't do it because you don't feel that way. But you don't say anything to your loved ones that do. So they feel that it's, they have a license to continue to do it. The thing has to stop. Well, it has to be brought out into focus so that you can deal with it. Are you following what I'm saying? It's got to be challenging. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. But it'll help you. Listen to this. Well, I had an opportunity to change that when I, had, when I heard my parents make a comment about black people. The news, which always paints a negative picture of blacks, talked about an incident in which a black man shot and killed another black man in a domestic violence situation. The comment made was a nigger killing another nigger. Now, see, you folks, see, they want to use this thing, these Christians, Christians talking about this end thing. This is the way, see, here is a real-life situation. That's, how, that's the way you all talk at home, see? Listen to this now. The comment made was a nigger killing another nigger. These are white folks talking. In the past, I would say nothing. But I would get upset because I knew that was wrong, and I know my parents are better than that. But I called them on the carpet on that. 
I said, why do you have to say that? They just looked at me with no reply. They may still say that, but not when I'm around. They have a view which I believe is prevalent among most white people who are not outright racist because I've heard them make this statement before and I've heard it from other white people. See, y'all thought, thought I was just shooting in the dark, just blowing steam, see? I told you this stuff is out there, happens every day, every minute, and people don't want to face it and they, want to, they don't want to admit to it. But that's the only way it's going to be challenged. It's the only way it's going to be ever cured. Okay, listen to this now. That view is there are black people and there are niggers. That is to say, the black people that are committing the violence are the niggers. And the nice ones are the blacks. <laughs> there was a time in my youth when I had this idea also. I thank God I'm out from that now. To me, there's only good and evil. And both are found in all peoples. Let somebody make a comment today. I'm not intimidated to do what's right anymore. All at CCC are my family even the ones that have given us negative looks across the aisles during this message. And see, the reason I'm doing this is because I want to be sure to make it to get, for you to understand it. If you think that the reason I'm doing this series or that I'm speaking the way I'm speaking is to come against any ethnic group or any person of any ethnicity, you have judged me incorrectly. And if you, ha if you have not yet picked up on my heart, if you don't know yet where I'm coming from, then you got a real problem. I'm just a straight shooter, that's all. I don't play no game. I believe in direct confrontation. I believe in full disclosure. Like it or lump it, take it or leave it. That may not be your bag of chips, but it's mine. Okay? And so I'm not talking about this to get all you black folk to get angry with all the other ethnic groups. That's not the purpose of it. Even though black people were kept in bondage physically, I see an incredible sense of freedom spiritually. White churches are so reserved and seem so formal that I feel I'm missing out on something. You've ministered in white churches, so I think you know what I'm talking about. The sense of freedom to worship among the black churches has always been a draw for me. I place a place where I can go to worship and enjoy it instead of hoping it's over soon. Yes, yes, white people are guilty of enslaving black people. But because of this spiritual freedom among the black churches, I've wondered if the devil has influenced this among whites. That is to keep them down. You know, Pastor, I've been, it's been said that Abraham Lincoln set the black people free. However, I believe that before this series is over, the history books are going to have to be changed because I know of two white people you've helped to set free. You and all our family at Crenshaw Christian Center and in the body of Christ mean a lot to my wife and I, and we love you and appreciate you very much. We thank God for you and make mention of you in our prayers. Tony and Debbie Rogers from Quail Valley, California. And I want them to, I want them to stand. I know you do. I know you do, brother. I hope it'll help somebody. Yes, sir. I'm with you. Now, listen up. Listen up. We all have, some of y'all have a long way to go. And you need to understand and learn this. I told you, I'm dealing with something I believe God gave me to deal with, a principle. I'm dealing with a principle. I'm not dealing with individual people, okay? And so you black folk, you leave these other people alone. All these other, Listen, listen, listen. You leave these other ethnicities alone. If they had some problem with your color, they don't have to come down here to the ghetto, to the hood, to go to church. 
I'm sure that they probably passed 27,000 churches to get here. Right. If they didn't want to be here, they wouldn't be here. Nobody put a gun to the head. And if so, if they came here, then they must be all right to leave them alone and stop looking across the aisle at them and acting like they got tails. Okay? They didn't, listen, the people that come to this church, they didn't do anything to you. And if they wanted to do something to you, they wouldn't be coming to this church. They don't have to. So don't let that bitterness and that racism and that stuff get in you to where you try to turn around and be somebody like the other folk that did put a hurting on us. I don't know, you, apparently, listen, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know your pastor. I don't give a care what color anybody and never have. I don't have that problem, never have had it, didn't have to get rid of it. I found out and I told you 10,000 times and I'll tell you 10,000 times again, everybody's poo-poo stinks. So there ain't no pure or uh, 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 superior or inferior poo-poo. It all stinks. Okay? So I don't, people are people to me. I don't, listen to what I'm saying. I don't see color in reference to relating to a person or interacting with the person. Certainly I see color. I'm not blind. I can see that's a, an Oriental or an Asian, excuse me, please. I can see that that is a Hispanic. I can see that that is a white person, a Caucasian. I can see that that's a black person. But when I see that, that don't mean squat to me. Don't mean nothing to me. I'm going by your character, not by your color, see? So I, I love everybody. I don't have no problem with anybody. They may have a problem with me, but I don't have a problem with people. So if you think I'm trying to do this to get on white folks, you're crazy. You missed it by 27,000 miles. I'm dealing with principle. Not with individual people. So if you don't want to be around white folks, white folks, and if you think every white person is against you and is your enemy, or you don't want to be around Hispanics, or you don't want to be around Asian, then don't come to this church. I hope I have made myself clear. Let's get on with religion. Ooh, you got your air sick bags with you? All right, here we go. Religion has been the most flagrant perpetrator of racism in the world. In particular, the Christian church in America has been the leader in racism. The foundation for this has been the fear of miscegenation or interracial marriage. When blacks were first brought to this country, the lie was hatched that blacks were inferior, really just animals, and therefore needed to be kept segregated from whites, particularly the white female. To show how far some will go to show that the black man is inferior, I quote from a book entitled The Tempter of Eve. The Tempter of Eve by Charles Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, -L, Adamic Publishing Company. That's like Adam with an I-C on the end, A-D-A-M-I-C. St. Louis, St. Huh. <laughs> Louis, Missouri, 1902, page 255. I quote, And it's hard for me to read this garbage. But it's part of the root problem of this nation. And we got to know that it's there. See, if you don't know where the root is, you can't get the right root. You can't pull it up. You can't kill it. You can't destroy it. You got to know it's there. You got to go. You got to find out where it is. You got to trace it back. Or you'll never be able to pull the root up. Can't cover it over because it's going to grow again. You ever see areas that have been blacktop or concreted? 
that are used all the time. I mean, constantly used. There's vehicular traffic and foot traffic going over them. You never hardly ever see any green coming up out of them. But have you ever been in a place where they have not been used for a long, long time? Blacktop or concrete? I mean, honey, that grass comes up through concrete. Got to get to the roots. Quote, the white is the highest and the Negro the lowest of the so-called five races of men. And they present the most striking contrast to each other in their physical and mental characters, their modes of life, habits, customs, manners, language, gestures, etc. End of quote. Mr. Carroll goes on to say on page 286 and 287 of the same book, I quote again, but with this interesting family of animals shading up from the lemur, that's a small monkey-type animal, L-E-M-U-R, to the Negro, we are able, with the assistance of the scriptures, <laughs> this is how Christianity has gotten a bad name around the world. Everything these racist turkeys try to present, they always try to cloak it in biblical terminology. And it will not fly. It's not in the book. It's in them. Now watch, listen to this. We are able with the assistance of the scriptures and the sciences to determine that the Negro is one of the ape family. That he simply stands at the head of the ape family as the lion stands at the head of the cat family. Hence, the lower apes, though unfit for general domestic purposes, are invaluable in that they enable us to determine beyond question the Negro's true position in the universe, that he is merely an ape. End of quote. Mr. Carroll further states on page 287 of the same work, I quote again, Besides, it should be borne in mind that though the Negro is omnivorous, he manifests a strong preference for the flesh of man as an article of food. The characteristics clearly identify the Negro as the creature described in the scriptures as the beast of the field. See, this is, that, this is why things are the way they are today. Now see, don't tell me that that man believed that and wrote that and somebody didn't buy the book. And if he believed that, don't tell me he didn't tell his wife that and he didn't tell his kids that and his kids told their kids that. See, that's how this garbage has come down to us today. To varying degrees. We know it's again not everybody, but it doesn't take everybody. It only takes one madman to push the button to ignite a war. All one guy has to do is go ape berserk, if you would, in some silo somewhere with a nuclear rocket with multiple warheads, push that button, and the whole world. He's in a war. That's all it takes is one man, one finger on a button. So see, it doesn't take a whole lot of people. Just one crazy can start a war. All right, listen to this. On page 391, Mr. Carroll says, and I quote, Dr. Clark manifested a commendable independence of thought. This must have been some Bible, so-called Bible scholar. This is Dr. Clark. Uh, Dr. Clark manifested a commendable independence of thought and action when he abandoned the absurd theory, listen to this now, the absurd theory of the modern clergy that the tempter of Eve was a snake. He made a credible advance upon the snake theory when he proved the tempter of Eve an ape. Yet it is at once a matter of surprise and regret that after thus advancing so far in the right direction, he should have stopped at one of the so-called Anthropoids, the orang, when a step further would have taken him to the Negro, the identical ape he was seeking. Orang, O-R-A-N-G, that's an orangutan, that's a monkey, okay? The Negro meets all... <laughs> the Negro meets all the requirements of the case, and he is the only animal that does. See, we're not humans, we're animals. He possesses the erect posture, articulate speech, and more reasoning capacity than any other animal. And these characteristics place him at the head of the apes, and consequently, 
at the head of all inferior animals for wisdom and understanding, end of quote. Besides, the Negro is an inveterate talker, babbler, and is withal one of the noisiest animals in the world. End of quote. Mr. Carroll goes on to say on page 402 of the same book, and I quote, all the circumstances indicate, now you got to get this, all the circumstances indicate that the beast of the field which tempted Eve was a negress. Now, see, you wonder how things get started. Now listen, follow on with this, and you'll be able just to see just as clearly as you can the whole slavery mentality. L listen to this. This, this stuff was written and printed and read and implemented. Listen, Mr. Carroll goes on to say, page 402, all the circumstances indicate that the beast of the field which tempted Eve was a negress who served Eve in the capacity of maidservant. Now, see, you, you laugh at it now, but back there in 1902, they didn't laugh. That's why they Jim Crowed us for all those years. That's why they had separate, colored, and white. You don't want to go in the same restroom that an ape goes into, do you? Do you want to drink at the same fountain that a monkey drinks out of? So you wonder how all that stuff, how could people have done that to us? Because of this kind of thinking and teaching. End of quote. On page 405, he puts the icing on the cake with this statement. I quote, They're acting upon the advice of the Negress by eating the forbidden fruit was their second offense. Watch this now. When they accepted the Negress, as their counselor, they necessarily decided, descended rather, to social equality with her. This reveals the startling fact that it was man's social equality with the Negro that brought sin into the world. This being true, it follows that man's social equality with the Negro will keep sin into the world and will bring upon man just condemnation of God. Besides, man's social equality with the Negro tends to political... Oh, get this now. See, the, these are the kind of root things. They don't teach you this in school. But this is the kind of root things that spawned all the other action against us down through the years. And you white folks need to know this, 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 is, the, this is the stuff that your forefathers put out there. Listen to this now. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not saying it, try to put you in bondage, but for you to begin to think and be sure you don't operate in some of this stuff yourself. Be sure that some of that stuff's not hiding around in the closet on the inside of you. Maybe that's why you act the way you do and talk the way you do and see things the way you do, because subliminally that stuff was put in you. Listen, listen. It follows that man's social equality with the Negro will keep sin in the world and will bring upon man the just condemnation of God. Besides, man's social equality with the Negro tends to political and religious equality. And these three, or any one of them, inevitably leads to amalgamation, itself the most infamous and destructive crime known to the law of God. End of quote. Don't laugh at that now. See, that's what spawned all this stuff. See, they, they laughed and laughed and laughed at that house painter named Adolf Hitler. They laughed at him at first. They said, he's crazy. He's just spouting all that stuff off, talking all that stuff. Right. And they didn't take him seriously. And then when they decided to take him seriously, he had beat their butts to the ground. Put the whole world in a war. He talked that stuff before he ever put it into operation. But they laughed. Oh, Ha, 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 right.
So don't laugh at it. Might sound, it sounds ridiculous to anybody with sense, but that's what people believed, and that's why they had it. That's why they worked so hard to keep these races separated. Here's this man, listen to this stuff. Amalgamation itself, the most infamous and destructive crime known to the law of God. See how they weave all this stuff in there with the scriptures, with God? That's why I say the church is the worst perpetrator of racism. And not a thing that they say can they substantiate with God's word. This we could call past history. But let us bring it up to date. In Dake's annotated reference Bible. And unfortunately, I'm out of time. Saints, this concludes episode one of what I chose to play. I will share episode two tomorrow. Uh, there's nothing else I have to say. It, it gets deeper. So stay tuned. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamla D. That is at dollar sign capital D lowercase r capital C, lowercase A-M-A-L-E, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.